The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Okay, so this debate took place after the K-State basketball game last night in a 102-68 victory over Emporia State. I brought it up to some of the media in the press room as we are waiting for Coach Tang. Which is worse? Putting your seat back on an airplane or leaving a shopping cart in the parking lot? Not in one of the designated stalls. You just leave it randomly in the parking lot by the car. Leave it as a stray. I'm going tray down. Frustrating, maddening, leaning the seat back is just, yeah. It's it's the majorest sign of disrespect. You're you're getting into someone's space. Yeah, if you're in first class, go for it. But if you're back with the plebes, let's all just... Come on, let's all get along here. That vi- I saw that video. That that no. Oh, I'd be. Pushing, I can lean my chair back. Yeah, I'd be pushing that seat too, man. That is such a crap. I just think it's a crappy move, man. The thing is, it doesn't take you any time to ask. Really, it, that's another thing. If you go, is there any way I can lean my seat back? And that person's like, sh- most people go, oh yeah, sure, just a little, yeah. I would be cool with that. Negotiate it. Yeah, man. Talk. I yes. Agree. Hey, that's, that clip gets me heated because I'm like, if I was that lady, I'd push that seat to you. See, I, I'm a little different because you guys are bigger guys than I am. I'm not, I'm a pretty small dude. Uh, if you want to lean back and chair a little bit, I'm typically pretty fine with it. If I were to lean mine, i just lean it back just a little bit. Not much, just maybe a little bit. A tick. One tick. Yeah. It's like you can, you're granted that. The one, the but, push the button and one tick back. Cool. If you're leaning crazy back, that's insane. Get out of here. What a jerk. Get out of here. Um, but for me, leaving the shopping cart, as Tro- Troy just said, stranded, mm-hmm. as in like not even putting in the effort to just take it to one of the designated stalls, you know, the cart corral, as I like to call it. Uh, and I just made that up. I don't know if that's a thing or not. <laughs> it is, actually. It is. Yeah. is that really the real yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah. So I didn't make it up, but I, this is the first time I ever heard it, me saying it. Uh, cart corral. Uh, I think that's just... It is bottom shelf laziness. It is pretty lazy. When you leave a cart out there, just buy your car. Or like when I see at Dylan's, you know, they have the medians or like the uh, kind of like dividers uh, that's, you know, bordered with concrete. And then in the middle is a bunch of rock. Like people will scoot their carts up onto that. Yeah. And it's like, that like takes what are more we effort. doing? That takes more effort than going to the cart corral. I mean, come on, man. Get, get over there. Get along, little doggies. Get over to the corral, man. Let's get do this. Don't you hate, though, when you think you found a spot and you pull in and it's a freaking cart corral? You go, come oh, yeah. on. I, I, I was waiting for you to say that it's a freaking short car like Coverdale has. I, I was ready. I was ready. I know I frustrate people with my car. Yeah, in between two giant trucks. Trucks, exactly, yeah. <laughs> two SUVs that you can't see over and around. No! Ah! Why doesn't he park up on that gravel spot? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, man, you can fit in there. Well, it's typically for me, it's like a motorcycle in the stall. Uh, you don't see it until you, oh, you get yeah. ready to get up there, or you, maybe you're trying to beat somebody to that stall, and uh, it's taken. By, by the way, the worst. by the way, 
Hey guys, uh, downtown, could you cut that tree that's in front of the 15 minute parking spot that hides the sign when you look and it, you've got the 15 minute spot that's sitting right there. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And then the next, I don't. And then the next one over tells you that you've got the two hour, Yeah, but the tree hangs over the 15. So nobody sees that sign. Yeah. I've seen that before. It's a little tricky. Yeah. I don't know. Where, where, where is that? That is uh points. Yeah. It's on points uh, near uh, grass, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, huh. that spot no there, man. Oh boy, it gets heated looking for a spot right there. Well, I I shared the story last year of a guy that was like pulled over uh, by the crosswalk and had his hazards on, and apparently he was he was pulled over right, and he was waiting for somebody to pull out of the stall, and I didn't know that. I just thought it was an Uber or something. Whoops! And I took that stall once the car backed out, and he chewed me out for it. I'm like, dude, you pulled over to the side of the road and put your hazards on. Yeah, you don't get out of the road. Yeah, that's weird. to wait for a stall. That was totally amateur hour, and I got the tongue lashing for it. Yeah, I say, well, what is that move? called even you know what i mean like that I, i've never seen anybody do that come on man welcome to the game mitch fortner troy coverdale david g and travion berkland coming up in this hour we're going to be joined by anwar richardson from orangebloods.com will help us preview the texas longhorns the cats play saturday there in austin for an 11 a.m kick big noon kickoff from fox and of course power keg game day will start at 7 a.m Right here on News Radio KMA, and we'll get to some keys for Case it against Texas as well. Curry Sexton, Mitch in Vegas, coming up in hour number two. But guys, we got our first look last night of the K State basketball team. Second year head coach Jerome Tang with what is it, six returners and seven newcomers on this team. Uh, but one of the returners not in action. He is suspended indefinitely in Naquan Tomlin. But even without Naquan and eleven guys playing, um. K State wins one hundred two to sixty eight over Emporia State. You know, real quick, I want to say about Emporia State. That's going to be a good team. They look good. Like they already preseason ranked in Division Two. That is a tournament run mm-hmm. Emporia State team. They are going to wreak havoc this year in the MIAA. They got some ballers on that team, man. They got some strong basketball players. Look out, Owen Long, number fourteen. That guy can be a freak from three if he wants to be. If he's on, a, if he has a hot night, he is going to really tick some teams off. He is, man. He's, he's going to be a problem. He is going to be a problem. Sharpshooter, man. Uh, I, you know, like everybody else, I do have a bunch of takeaways. I, you know, some I don't even want to mention because this is just an exhibition game. I like to focus on more of the positives. Really, to me, a couple of maybe the team. Uh, I wouldn't call them disappointments. It's just, you know, maybe it just didn't live up to what it can be. Three-point shooting, I get it, guys. Maybe that was the one thing that was missing from last night, um, where the Cats go 9 of 32 for 28%. You know, last year's exhibition, K-State was worse from three than they were last night. In the exhibition last year against Washburn, they hit 5 of 23 for 21%. The, 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 the thing I do want to point out there is they did take a ton of threes 32 was more than any game they had last year uh-huh. so they fired away a lot of threes um but i will say you know i was very happy about a lot of things tyler perry who is you know gonna be the best shooter in america picks up two early fouls and then he doesn't even score in the first half doesn't play a ton in the first half so now it's time to, all right, we've hit our first adversity of the year. Let's see what we do. And we put in Quez Glover and Day-Day Ames to start running the point and start to uh, lead this offense. Everybody scores in the game. K-State finishes 
52% from the floor. They score 102 points. Cam Carter is my first standout here. <laughs> Cam Carter finishes with 20 points. He was 7 of 13 from the floor, and he played 23, about 24 minutes. Coach Tang said in postgame, and he even said it before the game on Tuesday, that he wants Cam Carter to be a bucket. He was too much of a, you know, sometimes last year just trying to be a good teammate, mm-hmm. maybe passing a little bit too much, passing up good shots that he should be taking. He can shoot the basketball. This time around, he was a little bit more selfish, as odd as that seems. He needed to be more selfish. They needed him to be more of a scorer, and he did just that. So it's it's a good start. Let's put it that way. A good start for Cam Carter. A second play, and everybody had their moments, I thought, last night. But a second player that I loved, and I mentioned him yesterday in Mitch Palm, Jarrell Colbert. Mm-hmm. Coming off the bench, playing the big man spot, 13 minutes, 13 points, five rebounds, one steal, no turnovers. That was very consistent play from Jarrell Colbert. After just getting a taste of what he can do last year's exhibition game, the guy put together consistent minutes, and that was very pleasing. And he wasn't the first big off the bench. It was Will McNair mm-hmm. who was first off the bench, and Jarrell came in and outplayed him. Mm-hmm. So I was very uh, impressed by those two. Deej, I'll let you take away because you watched the whole game. Anything that stood out to you? First of all, play- Taj Manning, welcome back. I, didn't even- I-, I forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> he plays. Like, I- all right, yeah. He started. Yeah. I, I mean, like Dorian Finister, too. Uh, you know, I'm like, I forgot. These are dudes. Um, I look Colbert looked amazing. I like break the glass on he he's ready to go. He's ready to play. Can't wait for that. Yeah, the one thing I thought missing, threes. They did struggle to hit those, but look out for this team when they are on fire from three, because they are super uber athletic, bouncing all around the place. Also, the windmill dunk from I guess we're calling him Buddy Rich. That's what they kept saying on TV. So, McCaleb slash Buddy Rich, that windmill dunk is, I mean, that's going to be on the highlights forever. That looked beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. He was so smooth with it as well. And the rumor was he can jump out of the gym. Yeah. Tyler finished with what for three-pointers last night? Tyler Perry was two of nine. Okay. All right. So, we know that that will improve, first and foremost. I actually didn't have a problem with the fact that he got in foul trouble early because I liked the fact that it got Day-Day Ames off the bench and into action very early on. Uh, I thought that that was nice to see because it gave him an early taste of what was going on in the game and and forced the issue a little bit in terms of getting him in, in a situation where he could be pressed into that type of spot, say, you know, Monday night against USC. You get a, a whistle-happy ref that calls two quick ones on Tyler, and, gee, in an exhibition, really? Um, the whistles were annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as, as I jokingly tweeted out to D.Y. as he was commenting on it, uh, well, it's their exhibition, too. <laughs> Do these things work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it was a little overkill early on in the game anyway, for sure. Uh, but I, I liked the fact that, you know, it gave an opportunity for, for Day Day to get in and get action early. And there was a flow early in the ballgame, I thought, that the team did a nice job of 
of running what it wanted to accomplish offensively. You saw the drives by Cam that allowed for ball movement to take place. It it looked it looked good, but it's also exhibition of the you know an exhibition game. I know that the movement kind of slowed down at varying times during the course of the game. That's going to happen because these guys are still feeling themselves out. Yeah, for sure. Um, Quetz Glover was another concern, not just because not because of how he played or anything. It's just he tweaked. It looked like he tweaked his knee, and he had a knee injury last year. Um, so hopefully he won't be out too long. I, it does concern me that we don't need to be missing anybody else before this USC game with no yeah. Naquan Tomlin. K-State wants to be as healthy as they, as they possibly can because this is the biggest season opener for K-State in many, mm-hmm. many years. Mm-hmm. Long time. I mean, this is a showcase game, even though TNT may not be promoting it as much because well, Bronny James probably won't play in the game. But it, it is still a major opportunity for K-State. Uh, a couple other things I want to mention, of course, you know the freshman – Dede Ames, Buddy, Michaela Rich. I was calling him Michaela Rich as a as a PA. And also, um, you know, RJ Jones all had their moments and yes. they all look crazy athletic. And yes. I know RJ didn't have the night he was hoping for, but there's plenty of promise there. And when it comes to red shirts, I would imagine if everybody was available that you know, you may see some of those guys, one, I don't know, hard to tell right now, that maybe would red shirt. Uh, but right now they're all available because K-State's not at full strength right now, so that might be something they take a look at down the road. But the freshman, again, Buddy Rich, the windmill dunk was insane. That wasn't – I mean, they had a beautiful shot of it from under the basket, and uh, we'll be seeing that replay for many years. That was amazing. And I I was so happy to see them get kind of sloppy there in the second half, get a timeout, Yurik Malagy tells them, D up, let's go, and they did it. They turned it on, and towards the end of the game, I mean, you know, they had that run at the end there where it was just dunk city, and they were rebounded just great. It was awesome. It was good to see some bad. It was really right. nice. And I we kind of talked about it before. You know, last year's team, it seemed like, boy, you can tell these guys haven't played together. You really, it, it took them a while. This team is really look. This team looks like they've played together for a while, and I love that. I can't wait. It reiterates again how late in the game it was last year that Keontae Johnson joined this roster. Great point. Because at that time, you had very little real workout time before practices got underway. And so it was just the practice sessions to get Keontae worked in. After what already was, if you will, an unsettled summer because you have a new coaching staff, you're working on building that roster, your point is is dead on. There was little time for them to get used to playing with each other. You can tell that this group has been together for a year for the majority of them and that they took the lessons that they learned last year and have been working in the offseason. It, it, it looks a lot smoother look great. I really enjoyed in the second half when they picked up the pace, they pushed it more in transition after Emporia State would go get a bucket. Here come the freshmen, here come the Cats, pushing it right back down the floor, and that's what Coach wants more. You know, K-State would pick up the pace last year and, and show the tempo and transition, just try to beat you down the floor. They want to do that more. They want to play faster. They want to get more shots up. They want more opportunities to score the basketball, and the way you do that is just push the basketball and try to beat the other team back in transition. Um, and what will hopefully benefit K 
K-State out of that is also better opportunities to rebound after one shot goes up from the opposing team. If K-State wants to push it after buckets or off of rebounds, Team's got to prepare for that mm-hmm. and be, be in better shape. And K-State looks to be, as of right now, in some good shape when they push it. They did so in the second half. And by the way, how about the bench outscoring the starters? I mean, when everybody scores, <laughs> you know, there's going to be some points to go around. 53 points for the bench last night was fantastic. But my favorite stat of the night, before we take a break, my favorite stat of the night, K-State had just 12 turnovers. Mm-hmm. The only thing I remember hearing about from the SMU secret scrimmage or whatever is there's just way turnovers, too many turnovers. Yeah. Well, yeah. everybody plays, and nobody had more than two turnovers. And Coach says he wants 11 or less turnovers a game. Well, I mean, heck, 12 in an exhibition is a pretty darn good start. Now, I will say, though, having USC on the horizon on Monday night is going to be a different test. Exhibition is one thing. And again, I you know, there's some things I just don't feel like it was necessary to mention because it's just an exhibition. We'll get a true feel mm-hmm. for K-State when they play USC Monday night in Las Vegas. We take a break. When we come back, time to preview the Texas Longhorns with Anwar Richardson from OrangeBloods.com. It's coming up next. We are back on the game. It's Troy, Deej, and Trey. Let's get right to it. Six and two cats, seven and one Longhorns. Top 25 matchup at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium. A sold out over 100,000 fans expected into a sold out DKR on Saturday morning, 11 a.m. kick. It's also big noon kick on Fox. Of course, the coverage right here on K-Man starting at 7 a.m. with PowerCat Game Day. Let's preview the Texas Longhorns with Anwar Richardson of OrangeBloods.com. Anwar, thank you so much for your time. Let's start with the offense. Can we officially rule out Quinn Ewers? Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. Quinn Ewers is, you know, at this moment, uh, he's listed as week to week. Um, but you know, that, that I don't, I don't anticipate him back. He's not going to be out back out here this week. Um, you know, I think C. Sarkeesian said on Monday that he would be the starter. So, you know, Quinn is still recovering with, from that AC joint sprain. And, uh, I, I anticipate that it might be, you know, another couple of weeks before we see him back. So I you know this is the Malik Murphy show and this will be his second start of the year. Uh, going into this weekend well i'd love to hear about your thoughts on his first start against byu throws for a buck 72 touchdowns he did have a a couple of turnovers but i'm sure that kid was nervous he's a redshirt freshman in his first start but what'd you like about his game well i think there was a couple of different things i like that he didn't implode that would and that's something that could happen when this young person makes mistakes and he made his mistakes early but I think he got that thing out of his system. The thing that that helped him was that he wasn't asked to win the game. Like that wasn't what they tasked him and put that on him to say like, hey, you've got to carry this team on your back. The thing about Texas that they've been fortunate is they have a lot of different weapons. Uh, so they were able to get, for instance, a special teams touchdown. That helps. You know, they're able to, you know, to do, you know, hold uh, their opponent to six points. As you know, that really, really helps, you know. Um, and then, you know, they were able to you know, rely on a Jonathan Brooks, uh, you know, who's one of the best running backs in the nation. Uh, some may say he is, but he's one of the best running backs in the nation. All he had to do was just not implode, which is what he absolutely did. And I think, you know, the the, the task obviously becomes a little bit harder this week, facing a, lo- a better defense, a, a, a team that actually has some offense, which K-State does have. And so there may be he, be, he may be tasked to do a little bit more. This guy, I mean, what is he like? 
like 6'6", almost 240. He is alpha as alpha can get. Uh, He does not lack confidence at all. He does not get rattled at all. Uh, He believes he's that dude. He believes he's the man. I mean, he's a guy that when uh, he was committed to the University of Texas, um, you know, almost at the late last moment, Quinn Ewers decides he's going to transfer. Uh, he doesn't back down. He says, okay, I'm going to go ahead and compete, compete against this guy as he's recovering from a foot injury that he suffered in the state championship game. Um, somewhere in, in that summer, Arch Manning verbally commits to Texas. Again, in this era of a transfer portal, that's usually all a person needs to say, you know what? I'm out. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I got a five-star Quinn Ewers here. Got a five-star Arch Manning coming in. He still decided to stay, and then he goes and has a really good spring game. He's got people who are recruiting him to come to their program. He decides, you know what, now I'm good. I'm going to stay here, uh, and I'm going to compete. I mean, he had an SEC school that I know of that was actively after him. So he's not going to shy down. He's not going to be nervous against K-State. He may make mistakes, but it won't be because, you know, all of a sudden something happened and he got, you know, he got rattled. He'll just make the natural mistakes that a young quarterback is going to make. It'll just be upon this defense and all the people around him to kind of lift him up and help him to get through. If I heard correctly during the broadcast of Texas BYU, the announcers were saying that the plan was actually to get Arch Manning in the game. Is that true? It, the, the, it's Malik, okay? And like that, I, I, I know the thing about Arch is that the name Arch Manning moves the needle. I understand this. I do this for a living. I know if I mention Arch Manning in anything, all of a sudden it's in droves, right? I just That's just how that thing is going to be. But at the end of the day, Malik is the is a firmly planted number two guy. He, they could have got Arch in. They would have, but Malik needs all the snaps that he can get. Like right now, they've got to make sure that he's good to go, especially if they're going to have to have him for the next couple of weeks. They can't necessarily say, okay, let's get Arch in. Arch is going to redshirt. Like that, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Arch is going to redshirt. He needs a year to grow. He needs a year to develop. Uh, there's, as of this moment, no worry about him going into the transfer portal. So, but they need, but there's a couple of things that, that are kind of at play here. One, Malik's going to be the guy. He needs as many reps as as possible. His first college start. If he's got to take over for the next couple of weeks, maybe for the remainder of the season, we shall see. Um, he needs as many reps as possible. Secondly, if you want him to come back next year to compete against Arch, well, you better give him as many reps as possible right now because if you get the sniffing or inkling that you know what you guys are more interested in the the guy who's the number three than myself, then you've opened the door. You're basically telling him, "Hey, you can go ahead and go when you want to." So, no, I think they wanted to get him as many as possible. Uh, I don't expect their you know Texas to blow out K State by any stretch of the imagination. So, I don't expect to see Arch this upcoming weekend. Uh, the following weekend they're at TCU, probably wouldn't expect to see him there. And don't don't expect them to see against Iowa State because these aren't games. I expect Texas to have huge leads. This best opportunity maybe in the season finale versus Texas Tech, but you know again, who knows? Quinn could be back by that moment. There, the arch he has the name. He's the most recognizable backup in all of college football. Uh, but he's the third string uh, quarterback uh, at the University of Texas. Uh, one more on the offense, and that is you know Casey in Texas heading into the year had same storylines right stud running backs off to the nfl and jonathan brooks now the guy for texas who's been the second leading rusher in the big 12 but also the offensive line everybody returns and expected to be a top 10 offensive line it took k-state i guess a while to really get up to speed and and be clicking like a top 10 offensive line in the nation which i think they're now playing at that level what has Mm. texas been like 
on the offensive line. Have they throughout the year been a top 10 offensive line? They've been fairly consistent. The tough part about, you know, I say this a lot about guys like you and myself, your audience, is that when you're so educated on everything, it's so easy to nitpick so many little things. And then when you have to take a step back and you just say, okay, let, let me look at this thing at the end of the day, you're like, it's act- it's not that bad. But the, the thing is, is that you see it from such a different perspective. You can't watch it like an average fan. To say, like I said, you can't watch it like an average fan. Your, or your fan base, who's very educated, can't watch it like the average fan. And so, you know, we look at it and I can tell you like, oh, they messed up over here. They messed up over here. But, you know, for the most part, Quinn Ewers had a very clean pocket, you know, when he was healthy. Uh, the same the same thing is going for Malik Murphy. For the most part, he's had a very clean pocket, particularly on the left side of the line, uh, led by Kelvin Banks, who was a sophomore but started as a freshman, future NFL pick. He's been anchoring that side of the line. And so, yes, you know, you can't, you know, there's Jonathan Brooks and, and Jonathan Brooks replacing Bijan. I thought to myself, okay, well, there's going to be a drop off. But honestly, through eight games, the numbers for Bijan and Jonathan Brooks, damn near identical. And like to your point about where Brooks is at, I mean, he's averaging 115 rushing yards per game, which is fourth best uh, in the Big 12. uh, But he also has 923 rushing yards. Uh, That's fifth in the nation at this moment. And so, you know, he's he's been able to be incredibly productive touchdowns and second in the conference with eight, you know, third in, in rushing yards per carry at 6.4. So, you know, they they have him that they know they can lean on him. He's, decept- he's deceptively um, he's got speed, but he also has power with him. So the offensive line has been steady to help the, help out this offensive line. They've also been able to ho- open up some holes uh, in the run game. And, and Jonathan Brooks is a patient running back, so that helps. So they've been very, very good up front. Uh, you know, they've, they've definitely have, I would say, been able to kind of hit their stride. And the last thing I would just say along, along those lines, when you start thinking about the offense and the offensive production, Texas in every game this season has scored at least 30 points in eight games this year. Uh, they're one of the few teams in the country that can actually say that. So the offense itself has been really clicking, and it does start up front. Anwar Richardson is our guest from orangebloods.com. I just got one just general question about the defense cuz you know the Texas defense is really good as we talked about on your show they're top 5 team in the nation when it comes to third down conversion defense just absolute studs all over the field. I guess what should K-State fans know about either a particular unit or a number of guys that are the leaders of this Texas defense and what they do best? I would start in the middle. Look at number 93 at Tavondre Sweat. Uh, He's the guy that you'll see and notice the most. Um, He's a guy that's – I want to make sure I get his official listing here. I don't don't want to jack it up. 6'4", 362. He's a big man. (laughs) He's a big man. He was a dominant force against uh, in that win against Alabama. He's hard to beat. With just with, with one person, you've got to try to double him. But he's got a guy right next to him by the name of Byron Murphy the second. He's he's about six one three zero eight. Uh, but everyone says he's the strongest person on the team. Um, so between those two guys in the middle, 
is where you got to look. When you start looking at matchups and how good the offensive line for K-State has been, they will get tested this upcoming weekend because defending a guy like Tavondre Sweat is a challenge. And because of how big he is, one thing he's done very really well is if he makes the rush and he realizes he's not going to get there, he'll stop and he'll wait for the quarterback to throw and he'll just throw his hands up and knock it down. You know, so he's been really good or just throw his hands up and be very disruptive. You know, he's the Will Howard is going to have somebody that's coming at him, you know, disruptive uh, at, you know, pretty much at all times. They do have a guy on the edge uh, by the name of Barry Sorrell, um, who's been very, Barry Sorrell, who's been very effective as well. And then they also have a freshman linebacker who kind of sometimes comes in as an edge, as an edge rusher by the name of Anthony Hill. He's a former five-star, but he has been really, really productive this season. He has three sacks. He ranks third on the team in tackles with 35. Uh, He's had five tackles for losses. He's a guy that Sarkeesian said was a flash player to kind of start off the year, but has been a guy who's gotten consistently better. Uh, throughout the season. He's a guy that's probably grown the most by leaps and bounds. So they've got guys. Anwar, we'll wrap it up with this, who can also be a a factor with the defense, especially when you play at home as the crowd. And and DKR Mm -hmm. Texas Memorial Stadium is going to be sold out over 100,000 expected for this big noon kickoff on Fox. 11 a.m. I've been to Austin many times, but I've never been that down there for a football game. And I've talked to former K-State players and, and fans who have been down there. The rumor is that even though it's got a ton of people in there, it's maybe not the most daunting place to go play college football. And maybe that's just because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't get as loud as it should be. So mm-hmm. I'll let you speak for the fans of Texas who will be at DK Yard for this top 25 matchup that has Big 12 championship game implications. Do you think the Texas crowd is going to bring it? Yeah, and, and so... What it used to be is that Texas fans were kind of referred as the the wine and cheese crowd, yeah, right? Yeah. That's that's kind of what it normally has. That was always the reputation. Uh, and you'll hear Texas A&M fans um, call them sips. And, you know, as and, and it'd be like as you're taking a sip of tea, you know, with, with your pinky out. And so that's kind of why you'll hear one of the, the common insults is they would call them sips. Well, what Texas has done over the last several years is really try to address that whole lack of crowd enthusiasm. So you you they've done more things as far as getting a huge jumbotron, right? Uh, a sound system. They were able to kind of seal in the stadium. There used to be gaps in there. They were able to put students. Students used to be spread out throughout the stadium. They were able to put those guys in in one section, guys and girls, of course. Um, and then they've also worked really hard on creating a game day environment. That uh, for big games, they this they definitely bring it. And I will tell you this: um, I forget which Alabama player it was last year, but he and I don't know if it was it may have been Will Anderson, um, but I would have to go and check. So don't quote me specifically on it. But it was an Alabama player uh, who was at the combine. It was asked about, hey, what was the most that the loudest and crazy environment that you've been in during your, you know, your years in college football. And this is a guy who played in the SEC, and he said DKR when mm-hmm. they, when Alabama had came there and played. He said it was the loudest and craziest environment he had ever been in. So I actually, I, I think that while that that's what it used to be, and when I started covering the beat, that's what it was. Things have honestly have changed, um, and so it actually will be loud. It will be uh, ruckus. 
it will, like you said, the Fox will be there. Um, and then, you know, it's 11 o'clock. So there's a lot of day drinking that'll go on right before the game. So I don't think you'll have any worries about everybody, uh, you know, being uh, slightly inebriated uh, and excited to uh, the screen for the horns. It, it will definitely be a loud environment. Well, it's not Alabama, but maybe second best with K-State rolling into town uh, for a yeah. Saturday morning kickoff. Before I let you go, just to wrap up on this, I've noticed your background. I noticed it this morning, and now I'm getting a better look as I got a, a wider uh, monitor look at it. I've noticed all your credentials. From, you've been all over, uh, and it's a lot of NFL credentials. I keep mine as well, but I don't have a collection like this. You've been doing it a lot longer than I have. Do you have a favorite uh, credential that you've saved over the years? Okay, so the thing is I covered I covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – and I was there when Coach Dungey was there, Coach Gruden was there, Raheem Morris. I went and covered Detroit Lions. I was there with Jim Schwartz. Uh, then I started working at Yahoo uh, Sports. I, I would say the probably the thing that I enjoyed the most out of everything is this thing over here. And this is honestly a letter when I was uh, accepted to be as a Pro Football Fame, Hall of Fame voter. Um, but I was invited in 2012 to join a committee and, and, and be able to be a part of a really amazing process as far as that is concerned. So I mean, I've covered tons of different things. I mean, I've covered Mike Tyson. I've covered boxing. Wow. I've covered Mike Tyson getting uh, knocked out by Buster, uh, by Lennox Lewis in uh, Memphis at the Pyramid. You know, I was at that fight. Manny Pacquiao was on the undercard. You know, I've covered tons of Roy Jones fights. I've covered, I assume was there when he got knocked out uh, by Antonio Tarver and the trilogy of that, Felix Trinidad. Tons of Super Bowls, but uh, that personal achievement is probably uh, the best one for me. We're recording this. My co-host, David G., is a huge MMA boxing guy. So he would love it if I asked you the question just simply of, do you have a favorite boxer of all time? Oof. Gosh, there's so many. I mean, there's so so many. I think just because it's my era, and it's and that's it, the question was favorite, not best, right? So the my favorite boxer of all time will be Mike Tyson, just because for my era, I never saw a person that was that dominant before in the sport. Now, of course, he fell off, and there's a lot of things that happened as relates to it, but. The the early Mike Tyson, the ring walk that he used to have, the how intimidating that used to be when he was on his A game, it was like un- unlike anything that we've seen, and we haven't really seen anything like it since. You know, like we've seen some uh, some heavyweights that have tried, but they just kind of you know Deontay Wilder was a little bit, but he kind of fell short. I mean, we've got some heavyweights now, and they're okay, but man, we haven't had really a guy that just dominated the way that he did and became like so captivating uh, to a worldwide audience. And so for me, it was Mike Tyson. I, I don't, he's not the best by any stretch of the imagination, but he, for me, the best, the guy that to this day, I will watch his things. It's Mike. Well, Anwar, that's going to wrap it up with Texas leaving for the SEC. This might be the last time we actually get to chat and talk about K-State versus Texas. But I just want to say I want to thank you for your time. Every time you've come on the show, you've been absolutely great. You've been great once again today. And I thank you so much for coming on to help us preview Texas. Thank you so much. We'll hopefully talk to you soon. No problem, Mitch. You take care. Once again, that's Anwar Richardson from OrangeBloods.com. Well, Deej, what did you think about Mike Tyson being the pick there for favorite boxer? Is that is he yours, or who's your favorite? My favorite's Arturo Gatti, another guy that isn't the best, but he's my favorite of all time. Um, and I think it's hard. It, it's just like someone my age 
if you ask somebody my age who their favorite basketball team is, the default is going to be the Bulls, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, all those guys. You know, like they were the best and they were they were awesome. So I think it's like that era a little bit before me. Your favorite boxer, it's always going to be Mike Tyson because he was the king. I mean, he 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 was an undisputed heavyweight champion at 19 years old. I mean, that it's never going to happen again, ever, 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 ever. But boy, what a fall from grace, boy. He didn't have it in his heart anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just like when you when you go to a heavyweight championship fight in Tokyo in his condition and and what he was doing. The flying back and forth from LA to Tokyo in like in during fight week, um, <laughs> you're not you're you're not taking it serious. You you d- definitely don't have it. And he's talked about it so many times. He was scared, always scared, you know. And he he let that overshadow his his career. Sucks. If you're hanging around with Don King, you should always be scared. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, you know the famous quote, Larry Holmes. He said, I make more with Don King stealing from me than I do anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, pretty good. Well, let's take a break. When we come back, we can all talk about keys to this matchup. K-State, Texas, Saturday morning from DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium. That'll be coming up next on the game. Big stat about uh, the Texas Rangers in their World Series victory. They did not lose a game since Creed announced its reunion tour. And I didn't know this because I saw at Texas Live they used Creed as like the big celebration <laughs> once the game ended. I didn't know that Hire by Creed was a hype song for the Rangers. Yeah, yeah. They'd been they'd been uh, listening to that quite a bit because, well, they got trapped essentially on the road for the latter part of the season. See, they closed in Seattle. And then had to turn around and open the playoffs at Tampa. And they didn't lose a road game in the postseason. Didn't lose a road game in the postseason. They went from L.A. to Seattle because they had the Angels, Seattle, and then opened the playoffs on the road at Tampa and played only five home games in the postseason, 1-1. Has there ever been two more unlikely teams in the World Series than the Rangers and the Diamondbacks? I mean, honestly, I mean, crazy, dude. That is a great question. I want to say 85 Royals Cardinals, but the Cardinals were good enough that year. You know, the Royals won their division, but they were barely over 500. Right. You know, it was, yeah, they, they, they were 82 wins. So... You know, I I would I want to go that way, but I'm biased that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just thought them, you know, the Rangers going and getting Max Scherzer. You know, at the time I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it, it <laughs> didn't, <laughs> you didn't think it would work out. Oh, no. and then here they are, and they didn't even have him, and especially <laughs> and especially when down the stretch they faded and Houston overtook them. Yeah. And you thought, boy, that was a dumb move. One of those that happens in baseball. But um, last night they had a great infographic. We forgot for teams that hadn't won a World Series. 
Padres and Brewers have not. Oh, and won the Brewers. It. Yeah, yeah, that was the one we were missing. Yeah. Hey, real quick, I just want to. You know, we should allow more than four minutes to go over some keys for for Casey. Sure. Football. But I suppose when when we get to Mitch in Vegas, we can name a few more as well. I I was running through a whole bunch of keys that I thought this could really be the big difference in the game because these are really two teams, really two good teams. I mean, this is going to feature two the two best, in my opinion, the two best defenses in the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. the two best offensive lines in the Big 12, Uh, maybe the two best running games in the Big 12, Um, other than Oklahoma State right now. Oklahoma State would be first, but then two or three might be K-State and Texas. I think third down conversion defense is where this game really boils down to. Can K-State's defense get Texas off the field more than Texas does K-State? The thing is, where these two teams really excel is third down defense. Because both are top six in the nation at stopping teams on third down. Texas is top five. K-State's number six right now in the nation. And where K-State has just absolutely thrived. And I think this has been the key for K-State the last two games on how well K-State has played offensively on third down the last two games. 20 of 27. Mm -hmm. K-State is the fourth best team in the nation Wow, on third down offensively. Defensively, K-State's sixth in the nation in the last two games. Opponents have gone 5 of 27. I mean, going back to the offense, K-State had 10 third-down conversions in each of the last two games. It's the first time that's happened in back-to-back games in at least 20 years. Wow. At least 20 years. Um, Defensively, K-State has allowed teams 5 of 27. That's 18.5%. But things calibrate when you play a team like Texas. Sure. And how did things... You know, now, how does Texas scheme against K-State's third down defense? Mm-hmm. Uh, where K-State has showed in the last two weeks, it doesn't matter if it's third down and seven or it's third down and one, they stop people on third down. Mm-hmm. And Houston could not get plays on fourth down. They went over on fourth down. But because this game is so big, do you roll the dice as much? I think if you're Coach Kleiman, you absolutely do. But can K-State stay on the field against Texas's defense is the biggest key to me. Being able to convert yourself. But when I look at what the defense has done in these two games, the question then becomes, are they able to get enough pressure on a quarterback on third down if they are in a situation where it's third and long? Because that's one of the things that they've been able to do very well is apply that pressure up front. It's eased what's going on on the back end defensively since that Oklahoma State game. All right, real quick, quick question. I'm going to ask this on Powercat game day Saturday. So Texas in Big 12 play has given up 14 sacks. That's the second most in the Big 12. But K-State hasn't had more than two sacks since the UCF game. So over under two and a half sacks for K-State's defense. Um, under, but I expect a lot of pressure, and I do expect him to make some mistakes. Um, yeah. Fair. I, I, I will go for under, but I see it being right at that two. Yeah, I, that's it, the thing. It's it feels like it yeah. could be two or three. Yeah, yeah, Malik yeah. Murphy, I'm not sure. I didn't watch enough of the BYU game to tell me if he is a truly good scrambler. Right. Um, and they're gonna bring no doubt about it. K State's gonna bring more pressure than yeah. what BYU would bring. Yeah. All right, hour two of the show. We will have Mitch in Vegas. We'll talk more K-State and Texas, including making predictions on the line, which Texas is favored by four. Heck, when the line originally opened up, it was, I think K-State was 
a 14-point dog. Uh, plus, our conversation with Curry Sexton is coming up next in Social Local News. Hour to the game. Coming up. Stick around. Cats.